and it kind of coincides with our communion service that we're going to have later. You know, uh, some years ago, we took everybody's opinion on what we should call our church. And this goes back quite a while. And after analyzing a lot of suggestions that members handed in, uh, we decided on the name of Word of God Christian Fellowship. And that's who we are. Word of God Christian Fellowship. Why did we choose that name? Firstly, because we love the Word of God. Uh, all of us here have spent many years reading this book. <laughs> this is the written Word of God, okay? There's two words, Word of Gods. This is the first one, the written one. We love our Bibles, we study our Bibles, we bring our Bibles in some form to every worship service we come to, and we always use them. You're never going to hear me giving a sermon where I don't quote Scripture. That's just my nature. So we love this Word of God, but you know what? There's another Word of God, the living Word of God. Do we all know who that is? Jesus. Amen. The beginning of the Gospel of John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He came to earth to die for our sins. So the first part of our church name, Word of God, represents two things that are very close and important to us, the written word and the living word. But the second part of our church name is Christian Fellowship. And for those of us who have been together for a while, we love fellowship. You know, we, not too many churches do this, but we make it a point at the end of every service, we put on a meal and invite you to stay and to eat and to chat with one another and uplift one another and encourage one another. That's all about fellowship, okay? So those two factors, the Word of God and fellowship, are part of our history, part of our church culture. And that's why we have that name. We love the written Word of God and we certainly love the living Word of God, our Savior Jesus Christ. So, Fellowship is not just eating a meal together every week, but it's spending time together, it's traveling together, it's working fundraisers together, which we've done in the past, it's helping members in need together, it's celebrating together, it's mourning together when one of us has a tragedy in our lives. That's all a part of fellowship. All of these activities and more comprise fellowship. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and read a little bit about the early church. And hopefully this describes our church as well. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, talking about the early church, the first century church, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Today we devote ourselves to the, the pastor's teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, that's the culture of the body of Christ. These are some of the things that we do big time. We fellowship, devote ourselves to the teachings that we hear. We break bread, which we will do in the communion service and also in a physical meal after services, and to prayer. Prayer at every one of our services. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he or she had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture. And as I said, that's the church's culture, and that's the way it should still be today in many respects. Some things are different, you know, uh, but uh, in general, this is the, the flavor of the church. It's the heart of the church, the way God intended it to be. And I don't know if we really count it enough blessing to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. We're just one congregation in it. It goes all the way around the world and has throughout history since the times of Jesus. And especially living in this world today, a very dangerous, very violent world, and we can wake up one morning and turn on the news and find out that there's a nuclear war going on. We need to hold on to the church with all of our might because uh, it's the place where we come in a special way in contact with God, along with our brothers and sisters in Christ here. There's a Greek word spelled with a K, koinonia, koinonia, and it means fellowship. It signifies having a share in something, which we all do, or sharing with something, someone in something, or you could say participation in something with someone. That's what koinonia, koinonia is. It's what fellowship is all about. And it's a special thing. We all belong to groups of one sort or another. I belong to AAA. And I know whenever I get a flat tire, I can call them, maybe wait 45 minutes or an hour for somebody to show up, but they'll change my tire or give me some gas if I run out. And that's a great organization to belong to. I belong to Youngstown Rifle and Pistol Club because I enjoy shooting sports and hitting those clay pigeons and uh, doing crazy stuff like that. And I've got some friends in that uh, group and it's always good to see them every week. They always turn out and got friendships there. There are other organizations that we all belong to of one sort or another. But this is a special group of people that we belong to and that we share with in our uh, journey to our eternal reward. And we need to really understand the importance and what a blessing it is to be part of a group that you fellowship with, spend time with the people there, pray for the people there, encourage the people there. You know, we, I all re interact with you in ways that I don't know, don't uh, do with the AAA or the sportsman's club. This is intimate. This is God-based. This is spirit-led, you see, and that's what's most important to me more than any other organization I belong to. This is special. So let's look at three examples in the Bible of fellowship with one another here in, in the church. I want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. We're going to look, about, look at fellowship in giving, fellowship in giving. One of the things that we're called upon to be in church and as Christians is generous. 
Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. He's trying to encourage the Corinthian church to be generous toward needs. One specific need here is need in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was suffering because of many different considerations. The people were in a trial condition. I think there was a famine in the area. There wasn't much food to go around. The people were poorer. And Paul is trying to encourage the church at Corinth to be more generous in uh, giving toward this need. And he says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So he's gonna use the Macedonian churches as an example. Now the Macedonian churches weren't, weren't doing very well either. There was a lot of poverty and need. He says, out of the most severe trial, there, the Macedonian churches, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Okay, so there was a need for the churches in Jerusalem and here, out of the blue, the churches in Macedonia stepped forward in a very generous way. Verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. He says, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing, koinonia, fellowship, sharing in this service to the saints. So the churches in Macedonia heard that there was a need and Paul was taking up a collection for the, the churches in the church in Jerusalem because of their need. But the Macedonian church were going through difficult times themselves. They heard of the need and they stepped forward and said, we want a piece of the action here. We want to get involved. We want to give. We want to share what we have, what little we have really, and be a part of this fellowship of giving. So it was inspiring for Paul to see how the churches were eager, even those who couldn't really afford it, they were eager to join in on such a good work. Why? Because God's grace was overflowing. And isn't it that way sometimes? You just feel you want to participate. You want to get involved in it too, even though money might be short or whatever the case may be. And Paul was just overwhelmed with this because it was God's work. And I know that I have experienced that in our congregation over the years. I know that we have some people who can't attend all that often. But we may have a need, announce a need, and maybe take up a collection to help somebody. This family went through a tragedy. This family has a special need. And we announced it and put a box out in the back and people were just putting cash in there and writing checks and putting them in there. And maybe a few weeks later, somebody showed up to church who hadn't been there for a while. And they, they come up to me and say, Pastor, we heard about the need of this particular family. We don't want to be left out. <laughs> we brought an envelope along. And it might be several weeks after the fact. They say that, you know, we're inspired to want to give too. And I say, well, thank you very much. God bless you. It's that grace that's flowing in us. It's the fellowship of giving, 
of helping. It may not be a cash donation. You know, somebody might come up to me and say, you know, this uh, uh, family lost their place they were staying for some reason, they lost their furniture. We want to donate a washer and a dryer to them. Or we want to donate, we've got a, a dining room set that we'd like to give them. That's real, and that's God's grace overflowing. Remember, David said, my cup runneth over. Sometimes what God has blessed us with, we feel the urge to just share it. We've got to share it. We've got to do our part. That is the fellowship of giving. We're a fellowship, we're a family, and we, we want to share. God inspires us to share. So that's one fellowship in the Bible that you might not have thought of, the fellowship of giving. And uh, we, we encourage you to participate in that whenever you get the opportunity. A second one that I want to look at, a second type of fellowship, where we find it in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And it's the fellowship of suffering. Can you imagine? Fellowship involves suffering. Well, in what way? Philippians 3, beginning in verse 4. <clears throat> A very beautiful passage. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 4, it says, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. So he's going to talk about his physical background. Circumcised on the eighth day, so he was a Jew who was circumcised properly on the day that the law commanded, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul, before when his name was Saul, he was a Pharisee. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He was one of the most renowned, one of the most uh, famous Pharisees of, of his time. As for zeal, persecuting the church. You want to know how zealous I was as a Pharisee? I was the one riding from city to city looking for Christians that I can uh, persecute and maybe even put to death because I felt that uh, the law required it. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. That's a pretty big claim, but that's the life that he led. But notice verse 7, But whatsoever was to my profit, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's looking at his past, and he was a famous person. He was well-renowned. He said that's all garbage compared to now knowing Christ when he was called to be a Christian. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, all of his past he left behind, to pursue a relationship with Jesus. I consider them, my past accomplishments, rubbish, that I, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And that's the righteousness we all have. We can't pat ourselves on the back saying we kept the law perfectly. We didn't. We're all sinners. The only righteousness we have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been credited to us through faith. 
He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, notice, of sharing in his sufferings. So there's a fellowship in suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I don't know about you, but we all suffer from time to time, don't we? We have physical ailments, we have age-related conditions, and we suffer from anything. I mean, we suffer sometimes from a broken heart. (laughs) You know, you're dating somebody and all of a sudden it breaks up, and that's suffering. It hurts to go through an experience like that. We have lost jobs, we've maybe had to file bankruptcy, all different types of trials that we go through and we suffer. Sometimes it's just pain, physical pain that we're going through on a daily basis. Have you ever considered, like Paul did, that when you're suffering, instead of just immediately expecting a healing and for God to take the pain away, we're kind of stuck with the pain for a while, it seems. Did you ever consider that By enduring that pain, you are participating in the suffering of Jesus Christ. We all know that he suffered because we're coming up on the spring season where we're going to commemorate his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. But he suffered pain. He suffered a lot of pain and anguish. Did you ever consider that just by suffering in our personal lives, not as much as he did, but the suffering we go through is real, that we're participating in his suffering. Now, his suffering is above all. We can't do anything, even by suffering, that is going to do anything to pay the price for our salvation. His death on the cross paid it all. Nothing needs to be added to it. You know, nothing can accompany it. But yet, when we suffer... We're experiencing something that Jesus himself experienced. Suffering. It's a part of life. And it's even a part of Christian life to suffer. When we were baptized, when we accepted Jesus as our our Savior, nobody said to you, it's going to be a bed of roses from this point on. Life is going to be a bowl of cherries, as they used to say. It's going to be wonderful. No problems, no cares, no concerns. We never said that to any of you. It was never said to me, and sure enough, that's the way it worked out. (laughs) Even as a Christian, you have trials and tribulations in your life. You're going to suffer from time to time. And it gets worse the older you get, (laughs) at least from a physical pain standpoint. We all suffer from time to time. Why not consider that period of time in your life as a participation with Jesus? Nothing to do with earning your salvation, but you're just kind of following in his footsteps. Wasn't he the one who said, take up your cross and follow me? What does that mean? Well, carrying a cross, I don't think there's anything good about that. But it's experiencing trials in your life just as Jesus did. And there's a blessing in doing that. And there's a fellowship in doing that. Why? Because we all go through that in our own individual lives. So giving to a worthy cause, church-related, is a fellowship. 
We're all participating together in that as a family. Participating in suffering in our own personal lives, there's a fellowship in that. Why? Because we all experience that individually as church members. And over the years, in my role as pastor, I've overheard a lot of conversations going on before services, after services, where we're sharing our aches and pains with each other. Oh, you, you got that pain in your, yeah, I had that too. And you know, we encourage, oh, let me pray for you. I'll pray for you right now. And that's a fellowship, you see. There's a third one. Now, a third fellowship I want to talk about today, and there are many types. But this one has to do with our communion service. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 10. Because here Paul talks about a fellowship in the body and blood of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be taking part in in just a few minutes in our communion service because we're going to be taking elements that represent the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about the communion service. And in 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 16, he says this, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? So in a little while we're going to come up here and we're going to take one of the cups there filled with the fruit of the vine. And what does it represent? It represents the blood of Jesus, which he gave as a sacrifice when he died, when he, was, when he was put to death. That was a symbol of his shed blood. And Paul says here that the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, it's a participation in the blood of Christ. So here we go with a fellowship again. It's something we're all doing together when we come up here and we're participating in the blood of Christ. He says, and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? When we drink the cup and eat the bread, we share together as church members and as Christians, we share in the benefits of the slain body and the shed blood of Jesus. We all have a share together in what his death achieved for us. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're sharing, we're fellowshipping together in the sacrifice of Jesus and enjoying the benefits of it, okay? Now let me ask you a question, and I'd like to see uh, comments. What are the benefits that we share in through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Any ideas? What are the benefits that we all reap and we all enjoy because of what Jesus did on the cross? Yeah. Salvation. salvation, absolutely. We, we all fellowship together in salvation through the body and blood of Jesus. What else? Amen. Anything else? How about forgiveness of sin? We all in this room who are Christians have had our sins forgiven because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give me another one. Any more? Love. love. We love one another. We have the love of God, which we didn't have before, but it has been a gift to us, the love of God ruling in our lives now. How about eternal life? 
we all in this room participate in eternal life because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating when we come up here. Who else? Mary. Matthew. Joy. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can go through the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and on and on and on. We all have that in our lives. Maybe not perfectly yet, because we're still battling human nature too. But these are gifts that have been given to us by God, Amen. which we all share in as members of the body. Dan. Uh, what is it? it is grace. grace. Absolutely. <laughs> grace, which we all share. Melissa. Peace, that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, indeed. We have a certain peace that the world can't understand. So you see, we're participating. We're fellowshipping together when we come up to the table here to share the meal with Jesus, the one that he prescribed for us. Amen. And we do it on a regular basis. And the scripture goes on to say this, verse 17, because there's one loaf. The bread in that dish all came from one loaf. And what does that symbolize? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So we've been called from different backgrounds, haven't we? I wasn't born in the Youngstown area. Some of you weren't either. But we're all here, and we've all been called to this particular congregation by God's grace and mercy. You know, if it wasn't for the church, we would not know each other. We would all be strangers to one another. But we're all part of the body of Christ, one loaf, and we're all here together. Even though we're many, different backgrounds, different cultures, different nationalities, and so on and forth, so forth, different races, but now we're all one, just like the one loaf that that bread came from. So consider that too. When we eat the bread, we all come from one loaf of bread. It points to the fact that we all belong to Jesus. We are one body in Christ with the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Christian fellowship can be sharing in the financial relief of the saints, or it can be sharing in the sufferings of Jesus, or sharing the benefits of his death. This sharing, this fellowship, this participation is unique to our relationship with each other as church members. Fellowship is a mutual bond that we have with Jesus and with each other. So consider that. We have family ties that go much deeper than physical family ties. <laughs> and it's spiritual and it's God-ordained and it's a gift from God. So communion really is all about fellowship. Fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with each other. I want to turn to one last scripture in 1 John. And this fellowship is a, is a real thing. In 1 John chapter 1, Notice what he says. I'm not talking about the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of John, just back there before the book of Revelation. 1 John 1, verse 3, John says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. 
So don't forget, the apostles who were with Jesus, they were eyewitnesses. They heard his very voice. They saw all of his actions. And so many times in the Bible, they want to express that to us. They say, hey, listen, it's real. It really happened. We were eyewitnesses. We were there. Please believe what we say to you. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you, no matter how many centuries or millennia from now you're, you're living, and here we are 2,000 years later approximately, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. So consider that, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, and all the others, we're actually fellowshipping with them, how? Through the Word of God. He's sharing with us what he personally experienced. And he said, when we read, when we study these words, when we believe these words in faith, he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So whenever we study God's word and by faith believe it and accept it, we're fellowshipping with all Christians going all the way back to the original apostles and then down through history, all those who have believed, all those who were martyred, all those who lived their life even through the dark ages as lights representing Jesus Christ himself. And they did by the indwelling of Jesus like we do today living in a darkened world, but yet his life, light shines through us and out of us and reaches out to others. So there's even a fellowship in that, <laughs> a participation in that. So what a wonderful gift that God has given us, fellowship. You know, he never meant us to be a Lone Ranger Christian. And I know to this day, some people still feel like that. Oh yeah, I was baptized, but uh, I don't feel the need to go to church or to be part of any church because uh, you know I'm a little claustrophobic and uh, I don't like people really. <laughs> I've heard people say that to me. I'd come to church, but I don't really like people. Well, that's what the church is all about. It's about all the believers coming together to fellowship together. And not just to enjoy a meal, not to, just to enjoy a conversation, but to join together in supporting the needy, to, support, to join together in their suffering in their personal lives and their trials and tribulations that they go through in fellowshipping in the communion service. Because in that sense, we're not just fellow, fellowshipping with each other, we're fellowshipping with Jesus Christ together as a family. So it's a special blessing that Jesus gave us. And it's just amazing at the Last Supper, he had all this in his mind. Just passing this bread around and passing this wine around to all the apostles, the apostles were probably thinking, well, what is this all about? Why are we doing this? And just imagine what Jesus had in mind through the centuries when we would finally get it as to why he established this uh, practice this custom for us to be a part of the church, the communion service. Amen. So keep that in mind as we come forward today and keep it in mind as to the meaning and the reason for the church as a whole and why we're here and give thanks that God has made us a part of it. Amen. Join me in prayer.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your calling, for your truth, for your word, especially the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. Because if it weren't for him, none of this would be possible. But as we come to the table in just a moment, Father, we know and understand and believe that the piece of bread we're going to take represents your son, Jesus Christ, and his broken body, which he gave for us, for our salvation, when he became our substitute on the cross, a fate that we all deserved, but yet he took it upon himself. Never let us forget the suffering he went through, the agony, really. And Father, we know that the cup that we're going to take, the fruit of the vine, represents his shed blood. Broken body and shed blood, all a part of the sacrifice he offered on our behalf. He was not guilty of anything, but he took our guilt upon ourselves, upon himself, so that we could be free, we could be redeemed, we could be saved from the death penalty. And what a pleasure it is to know you, the true God, and to have a relationship with you. So Father, as we come forward to show our faith, to show our trust and belief, put your blessing on each one of us and just take us a little bit deeper in our relationship with you. Give us a little bit more understanding and a little bit more wisdom as to what it's all about. But our goal is to draw, draw closer to you in every respect, Father. And uh, we look forward to that relationship going on for all eternity. So we repent of our sins. Even as we're sitting here now preparing, we are sorry for our sins, Father. We know our sins are forgiven. All the sin is forgiven. Past, present, and future because of Jesus. That's, again, one of the benefits we enjoy with our relationship with you and having Jesus as our Savior. So, Father, thank you once again, and uh, as we approach the uh, Easter season, the resurrection season, Good Friday and all that, just draw us closer in relationship with you and help us to prepare spiritually, to really take time to get closer to you and uh, to just receive all the benefits from... Uh, our relationship and our salvation. So thank you, Father. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.